All right, so I did not realize until right this very moment how much I was going to miss doing the Dr. Bob uh, impression on the podcast. We'll, we'll wait till week four. I'll, I'll break it out. Yeah. To the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, August the 11th. We have three Saturdays left without UVA football, and the Cavaliers come back. Um, they'll take on Richmond on um, September the 3rd. I almost said August the 3rd. That would been weird. Um, we, obviously, there's a lot of practice stuff going on. Certainly, um, you know, the rev up time to the season has approached uh we are very close to our preseason prediction podcast which everybody um i'm sure is waiting with bated breath to hear us talk ourselves into virginia winning basically every game on the schedule um but until then we are going to talk about said practices we're also going to talk about expectations and what that means for the wahoos this year before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first up in fishersville uh board moderator du jour david spence is on the podcast how's it going my friend I'm pretty good tonight, Brad. Thanks. Um, my kids started school Tuesday, so congrats to them for another school year. And it kind of reminded me of like how close football is. And then I noticed I'm starting to like watch old videos now. I'm kind of I'm I've touched. You know, I've been infected. Like now, it's time for the illness to take over. So getting excited. Trying not to be as angry this week as I was last week. Obviously, <laughs> who days on the board at who days on Twitter. Two things before I introduce Robert here. One, I, I would love it if your kids are listening to the podcast. That'd be awesome. Two, when he says he's infected, he doesn't. He he means with preseason awesomeness disease for folks <laughs> who aren't who, who who don't pay attention. To yeah, this you tried to give me COVID like two two podcasts in a row, man. Don't put that juice. I know, there. right? All right. <laughs> Up in uh, Charlottesville, uh, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. Brad, actually only two Saturdays without UVA football coming up because we will see them on Saturday. Oh, uh, that's very true. Yes, this yeah. is true. We, I, the plural. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, you just dust off the old uh, notepad and, you know. <laughs> Make sure you're good to go. Put my put my little uh, press hat, you know, the little hat with a little card in it, you know. Yeah, exactly. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. At Cavs underscore Corner on Twitter as well. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody banter. I've said that so many times that I couldn't say it out of order. Like my brain just went on autopilot there and just happened. So one day we're gonna get Cavs Corner with all the underscore. No, we're not. Like have that, a, your brain. That random explode. person is never gonna do it, and that's okay because at this point, like I, you know, I'm. I, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna get all those people to like? I, what am I gonna? How am I gonna convince all of those thousands of people to follow the other account too? Like, no, this is this is not how this works. Um, and if you change your at, you lose the, you lose the check and I can't lose the check, man. Um, the check is, the check is fair. It's fun. All right. Let's, um, I guess we should talk a little bit about sort of where they are in the schedule of things. So Ferber, correct me here. Is it seven practices, eight practices in now? 
Um, I mean, if they practice today, it would be eight. Okay. So, so seven, eight practices. I mean, look, you, you're kind of in a good spot. Uh, hello, Siri. Uh, you're kind of in a good spot to, um, you know, have some, some takeaways, right? I would imagine the staff has a, you know, really good feel for sort of where things are, um, from a, from a health standpoint, we all, we obviously know that there are a couple of guys, you know, who are kind of coming back into the fold, right? Guys who are working the way back from whether it's illness or, you know, sort of small injuries. Um, not like, you know, Malachi was, you know, going to be a little while before the, um, before he's ready. But in general, I, I think it's, it's safe to say that at this point, the rubber is really meeting the road, right? Like you're this many practices in, you're, you're already acclimated. You're in some sort of groove, I mean, I don't know how soon they're going to do game prep. My my guess is probably after Saturday they're going to have some sort of scrimmage. Isn't that right, Ferber? They they'll they'll scrimmage at Scott Stadium, uh, and they'll probably go into the week after and sort of start doing some, you know, some more what I would call sort of real preparation work as opposed to you know fundamental building and stuff. Um, for yeah, the Saturday start- scrimmage. Okay, cool. So, so let's start here. In in general, what, has there been anything that surprised? any of us that's come out of, you know, practice thus far. I think for me, probably the only thing is there's been a whole lot of heat and a whole lot of focus on Mike Hollins and the running back position. And um, I think my biggest question on that is like how, um, how that translates down the road, right? Like it, it, it's what we all think. The three of us, I think agree on this is that it's not so much that they, they don't plan to play Mike or anything like that. It's more like that they're just doing everything they can to get their absolute best out of him. Um, I don't know why that position has been such a lightning rod because I feel like, I feel like it's happening elsewhere too. We're just not, there's just not like a, a, you know, a real big focus on it. I don't know if that's just because, you know, folks aren't tweeting about it enough or what, but it feels like to me that like, this is a position that from the outside looking in, there seems to be a lot of visibility on. Is that a function Ferber? do you think between, um, you know, expectations on the running game has to improve, or is this specific to Hollins, or what do we think the um, the sort of takeaway is about running back right now? Yeah, I think there's more of a focus on it because they're expected to be a bigger part of what they're going to do on offense. So, um, yeah, I think that people are kind of paying more attention to that, and there's more talk about it. And honestly, like you know, from I've been to four practices for at least part of them and gotten to, you know, talk to people and stuff. And the sense that I got is like, and I wrote this in my notes yesterday is that it's a pretty deep room. Like, I think that you have a few guys that can do the job. Um, you know, the, I would downplay the Hollins issue part of it. Like, I don't think like, I'm not saying he's like a perfect player or anything, but like, I would, I would say the issues with him, like, Oh, you know, he's, being coached up or like, you know, all the stuff that has been said during camp by the coaches and just things that people have seen. I think they're just, I think they believe in his talent. So they're trying to push him to be what they think he can be. And they think that he's somebody that can respond to that. Because I think if you have good coaches, they understand that different players respond to different coaching styles. And I think they think he's going to respond to what they're doing. And also like I've seen players like have issues in practice where it's like, they're not giving the effort or, um, you know, like they're just not meeting expectations and you can kind of see how coaches react to that. And that's not what I've seen. I've seen a, a guy that's in the competition and he's just being coached to be better. And 
I think they realize he might have the highest ceiling, at least for this season, um, among the group. So I think they're trying to kind of like push him towards that. And honestly, if you ask me right now who I think the starting running back is going to be, I would probably say him. Um, or like who who ends up being the starter throughout the season. Um, you know, I don't who goes out there first is kind of immaterial. But I will say that especially on Wednesday, like Paris Jones looked good. So, like, I can kind of see – I don't know if it's so much, like – I'm not saying Mike Collins is without issue, but, like, I think it might be more that he's being pushed by guys that are playing well. And Harris Jones, like, he's always been the kind of guy that could catch the ball out of the backfield. We haven't really seen him do it in games, but, like, he has that sort of profile. I mean, he was a returner. Um, you know, always kind of like – I remember the thing that kind of stuck with me is that he blocks hard. Like, he plays hard on special teams – um, he's a guy that could impact the game. I remember he had like a big hit on somebody once or twice on special teams. Um, he's that kind of guy, but I think he, he looks like a different guy. Like he, he's much bigger, like looks much more like a, a starting running back at this level. So I think I wouldn't be surprised. And actually I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't contribute in some way, especially since they, I think they're going to need a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield and, um, not to say that like Hollins and Brown and, and the other Brown and those guys can't do that. But like, we all kind of know that the previous coaching staff didn't really throw the ball to the running back very much. So I don't think that was something that they really like looked for in a player. So I think, you know, that's something they're going to have to like teach these guys, but there's a lot of talk about the running back position, but I think like Jones and Hollins will probably end up both playing and um, Jones, especially, I was like really, really impressed by him the last couple of days. It feels like to me a situation where, I mean, if you look at the depth in this room, right, you've got Cody Brown coming in off the transfer, right? You got Paris Jones, who's a former walk on. You got Mike Hollins, who was back last year, but had, you know, missed the 2020 season. You got Faustin, who's coming in. This is, you know, he, he was here in the, in, in the spring, but, you know, he's, this is his first yeah. year. I think right? he's banged up right now, too. Yeah. I didn't see him out there the last couple of days. You got Xavier Brown. And Ronnie Walker is coming off an injury. Mm. With with Talapapa having transferred, who is your heir apparent, right? Holland seemed to be the guy. If if Walker's hurt, right? And, you know, Faustin still getting his feet wet, you know, all that fun stuff. Like, Holland's kind of has to be the guy in a lot of ways, right? And so it makes no sense for them to sort of come in here and not push him, right? It would make no sense for them to just say, like, hey, let's just see what happens. Um because if worse comes to worse and you're trying to push him, hey, if you end up getting Paris Jones and he's actually game ready and he can, you know, be a real contributor for you, that's great. But otherwise, like what you really need is Mike Hollins to be sort of jump started and competition. I mean, you know, that's supposed to be the coach's best friend, right? But I think what gets overblown in this and what I've seen a lot of people sort of taking this and running with it in the wrong direction is to assume that like somehow this is like a, um, you know, this is like to impugn. You know what I'm saying? Like this is not, or like he felt like it was his job, and like he didn't have to do anything there. Right, exactly. Like, like, I, don't, I don't saying... get that sense at all. And like he he met with the media last night. I didn't talk to him, but he was in good spirits. Like I didn't get the sense that he's like not doesn't have the right attitude or anything like that. Right. I think that that element is sort of like unfounded. Yeah, and I feel like you know it's one of those things where you know players. I, I think players come into camp with a clear sort of idea of what they would like to have happen. And some of them certainly come in with what they um, are sort of working towards or hoping for, you know, but once camp gets going, it has a way I think of sort of clarifying for everybody sort of where things really are. Right. Like 
who who is the actual guy versus who everybody thought was going to be the guy that seems to work itself out pretty fast and the and the you know in in all these situations once coaches get a chance to actually coach once they get on the field they see the thing live and in color it 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 tends to it tends to figure itself out so i feel like if if they really thought Paris Jones or somebody else was going to be like you know run the the starter there you'd be hearing a lot more about that versus you know pushing mike right you know want to get the best out of him I don't think it's a bad thing. And frankly, I think it's happened in other positions and we're just not hearing about it. Dave, right. what are some of your, the things that you have been keyed in on these last few practices since we all last spoke, anything sort of standing out to you? Any, any concerns, be it, you know, you know, stuff you're concerned about or things that you're excited by given what you've heard. Um, I kind of have to rely on Justin for the report. So, you know, what, what I see is only as, as good as, as the reporter. So if, if I'm wrong, it's his fault. No. Um, Honestly, though, like to be, to be just <laughs> frank with you guys, like, and to the people listening, we, I, I try to take as many relevant notes as I can. I'm not going to sit there and transcribe every single rep of everything, but like, I would say like half of what we see is stretching and like individual. It's just hard to like a guy, like tackling a, a like a donut, like what am I supposed to gain from that? You know? Yeah, I get it. I'm just giving you grief. No, um, yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, you guys touched on the running back situation. Um, I think it's just one quick point on that. Like, you also have to remember, you know, Mike Holland set out 2020. Um, yeah, yeah, he essentially hasn't. He's only got 70 career carries, and he's been. This is his fourth year at UVA. So, look, it it's going to be a little bit of adjustment for him for the new new squad. And obviously, I think Coach Elliott thinks he's got all the talent in the world, and that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. Um, I think, you know, the things that have stood out to me and, you know, they haven't tackled a lot, um, if at all, at all Saturday, no. the first they scrimmage. They haven't tackled yet. Yeah. Um, but the what I've seen from practice seems a lot more physical than what I've seen in the last two or three years. Now, obviously, COVID was a factor in that. But, um, you know, they're doing a lot more team stuff, a lot more contact, not tackling to the ground, but a lot more contact stuff than we've seen. Obviously, you know, this coaching staff wants to kind of establish just a toughness on both lines of scrimmage. And, um, you know, Tony Covington talks about this all the time, but, you know, you can't be a tough team if you don't run the ball in practice. And clearly that's something they're going, they're doing in practice. Um, you know, concerning it's, I think it was Elliot or it might've been, might've been one of the other, might've been one of the offensive linemen, but, um, is that they just haven't been able to all be together a lot because of yeah you know injuries or whatever. The offensive honestly, line group, Tony Elliott was like they haven't had the same group out there two days in a row. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and I, I you know, long term that's probably not a big issue, but short term it is. Um, and I will say, like the guys that are like not participating, they don't seem to be like oh, like they you know broke their leg. <laughs> it's <laughs> like they're kind of just like on a maintenance day or whatever. It almost seems like. Yeah, because you've had guys come like Logan Taylor's been through. Logan Taylor was out and colors, then back right? in and then back out. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, and Jonathan Leach was like in then out then back in. Yeah, which makes sense because I think they're using catapult to kind of do load management. It's been hot. It's been humid. Um, those are big guys. So, um, you know, and obviously they're practicing a lot to kind of build that build that offensive line. But, um, you know, we've talked about how physical, how much better the team looks physically. Um, I would love like for some description on the, what the difference is in the nutrition program. Um, 
like what was lacking? What did they add? I just, you know, all we've heard is they've improved nutrition. I'd like to know because, you know, yeah. Akira's gained a lot of weight. Flores says he's in better shape and they haven't been there that long. So Flores um, is, uh, I don't know. I haven't written the Flores story yet, I guess, or po- posted it. So Flores played at 285 at Dartmouth and he's at 310. Yeah, and he got here in the, like, and he got here in like July. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know I how mean, they did I could, that. But. I could gain that much weight, but I probably wouldn't be able to move. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, look, all in all, this, you know, I'm excited. Camps rolling, rolling through. I've, I've kind of gotten to a point where I feel like I'm less worried about the defense than I am the offense, which makes absolutely no sense, other than. I feel like the defensive line, just from what we've seen in practice, what we've heard from the coaches, that the defensive line may be substantially better than it was last year, um, which obviously helps the back end of the defense. And you've got a lot of guys returning. And I don't hear any panic in Coach Rudd or or anyone else talking about the secondary. They seem to be like, oh, we'll figure it out. Um, And it would be nice for us as Virginia fans to see some different faces back there. Um, So, yeah, all in all, I'm pretty happy with the way it started. And kind of looking forward to, you know, hearing what you guys see on Saturday at the scrimmage. It took me like a day or two, but like, I would say like the first day I didn't really realize it. And I'm not the type of person to hype this stuff so much as other people, because like, to be honest, I feel like every coaching staff says this, you know, but like, and, and especially when you have a new staff coming in, but like, the the body changing stuff like i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh these guys are like completely different than they were before but like there are a few guys where i'm like whoa that guy looks different um yeah guys that might play and it's like okay like i can kind of see what they're getting at but i think dave brings up a good point and i'll see if we can find out like what they did differently whether we ask tony elliott on saturday or maybe try to get like some information from the like the training staff or something yeah but i was thinking about maybe trying to trying to get up with smotherman um to see if maybe we could get some access with him because realistically like one of the biggest things that changes is anytime your strength coach changes right anytime you know your your football performance guy is different right because they're gonna they're gonna approach things differently um I, the name of the guy the guy's name isn't gonna escape me but like um one of the one of the strength coaches seems to be, and again, I apologize because I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but he, he seems to be pretty um, comfortable kind of putting their the quarterback's workouts out on Twitter. Um, I forget. Drew McDuffie, name. I believe. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. it. He only and works with quarterbacks. He's like a, a quarterback-specific Yeah, right, exactly. And a lot of the yeah. stuff he's doing, I mean, like, realistically, I can promise you that the, the former staff was not doing any of that stuff, right? Um, maybe they, maybe they did individually every once in a while or something, something, but not like, not like they're doing right. Um, and I wonder if part of the, the methodology here is because I mean, a lot of, a lot of what Grizz and his folks did was, you know, you had skill, you had big skill and you had big, right. And you're, you're, you're sort of, it's not necessarily that you're, you're only, you're only swiping with a, with a wide brush, but you're predominantly doing that. Right. Cause they're all of their stuff was you know, their system and everything was based around um, expectations for, you know, high size. Right. Kind of, exactly. So yeah. if you were, if you were this position at this size, you should be pushing this much weight. You should be doing this in this drill. You should be doing this at this, whatever. Um, I'm just curious to see what the, me- what, you know, what, what the translation is. Right. And I can imagine for some guys who have been doing something like that and then they do something new, 
right? Like that, whether it's the transfers, you know, this might, this is one of those rare instances where everybody's on the same page, right? The transfer guys are changing up from wherever they were from. The UVA guys are changing up from where they were from, right? The young kids are coming in, obviously changing up from where they were from. Um, so the gains yeah. and stuff that they make pretty short term are, are, are fairly interesting. I talked to Flores on Monday and he was saying that like, we were talking about like, um, I mentioned Devin Darrington being here and Akira and him and like, what's the talent gap between the Ivy and the ACC, like what you've seen so far. And one of the things we ended up talking about was he was like, you would be surprised like what the difference is like in nutrition and things like that. And he specifically mentioned like what coach Elliott had like brought into UVA. And then that's when he got into the change in his body and stuff like that. So I think there's a recognition there. Um, of like what what they're trying to do and clearly yeah. like that was one of the initiatives and yeah i mean i think that there's a a clear focus on that and um one of the things like and and this this could definitely be overreaching i i don't want to i wasn't at every practice under bronco but one of the things i've kind of noticed is like an emphasis on hydration right um, like the guys are like it's not like a sin to go get water like yeah 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 i think it's like worth that. pointing out that you know, Tony went to Carla and asked for, you know, more strength coaches and more nutrition people um, pretty much right away. And so I think that's one of the reasons they can have quarterback specific, you know, quarterback specific um, strength coach because it's in the budget now. And then obviously the nutrition thing, he changed right away in McHugh and they've made changes to the master plan plans, you know, the master plan plans, <laughs> yeah. the master plan plans. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing like the updated drawing of that, but you know, he's, he's mentioned that, you know, they took out some of the other stuff to add more nutrition based stuff in there. Um, which sounds weird. Cause you think you just need like a fridge or something, right? Well, so Brad, maybe you can answer this because <laughs> you, you were at more, fridge. Brad, you were at more Bronco practices than I was. And yeah. it's not the, it's not like, you know, can I be the difference between six wins and nine? I don't want people to think that, but like, you know, so what they've done, like the, these practices at the end of practice, like going from the football facility back towards McHugh, they have this like giant cooler and it's like, it has like all these different like snacks and stuff in it and drinks. So it's like Gatorades and stuff, but it also has like all these like power bar type things and different things like for different guys. Um, was that something you remember them doing? Like, so what Bronco what what the what the previous staff would have is that like as you walked onto the field from the McHugh onto the actual field, there mm -hmm. used to be this huge cooler, like a huge like uh, bucket basically with ice and a bunch of Gatorades and waters and stuff. Um, this is like a bigger thing, and then they have like a person standing there, and there's like there's like Nutrigrain bars and stuff in there. Right, but it seems kind of like the same thing, but I, I don't know. But, like, with, I'm not but I don't believe like I, I don't remember there being any food like any sort of like. We talked Protein. about it because, like, Caroline Darney and I were talking to the guy about, like, the different flavors of power bars and stuff. I don't know that they're power bars specifically, but, like, something, yeah. whatever that is. Randy you know? Bird would, would hang out and be, like, handing out, like, uh, protein gum, like, Gatorade and whatnot, gummy bears, like, gummy chews. Those gels and things um, like that. And yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I never saw anybody eating a power bar. But I will say that, you know, Bronco's practices, I mean, I think it's fair to to say it like this. Bronco had what I would call... Uh, an old school approach with new school sort of data, right? So he he used analytics and he used a different way of looking at things. 
Yeah, like the first part of his like thought process would be like, don't ever drink water like the Herman Boone, like waters for weak people. But but he wouldn't do that because he's smart enough to know not. So exactly. So he would (laughs) he would use he would use the new data to sort of inform his old school habits. So he still was like very big into will before skill. Right. So he wasn't going to give you the break until you literally until you literally broke. Right. But he wasn't also like it wasn't one of those things where they didn't get water. I would say that they did have a, what I would call, um, and I think you know former players and folks around the program will probably back me up on this, a culture of fear, which was it, it, everything was sort of um, negative consequences driven, right? So it's like if you fail, then you're not working hard. Enough. Exactly. It was very much not like a you were. You, it wasn't necessarily you were rewarded for working harder. You were rewarded for doing something good. It was that you were punished for doing something you know you shouldn't have done you were punished for not giving enough effort right bronco was really big into like effort and i think he translated effort into um you know into you know sort of productivity and he I think looked it at works. that across i the mean world. for a while at least like yeah well i think that's what happens right yeah. but then you then you're going to naturally run into these situations like he did where you've got these older players right where you have covid you know, and, and, and you've got and you and you've got situations where like you know, guys have been in this system for a while who understand that, like, you can say all you want that everybody's treated the same, but that's on some level, that's just not true, right? Like, certain players can make certain mistakes that other players just simply can't make, right? And there were some yeah, like if Dontavian Wicks drops a pass, he's not going to like get benched, right? <laughs> or, or, if he, or if he or if he completely just whiffs on an assignment or or isn't ready to go run on the field, or you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just no, you know, they're not going to hold so certain players to the same, you know, standard. No pun intended, right? That's just not realistic, right? Um, but at the same time, there was some stuff off the field. I think that that certainly uh, led to some of the decisions that, um, in some ways, I think sort of. Uh, impacted the the overall sort of morale at the end that last season I mean you know that was a real grind for a lot of guys you know they're coming off sort of the COVID year before and everything um, you know they were having a lot of success in some ways and then also having you know some demoralizing moments in others and and I think it you know it certainly it's one of those things where like success seems to cover up all of the warts right and I think that's what happened a couple of years ago is it like some of this stuff was sort of in the bedrock a little bit um, and it didn't necessarily show itself because they were winning and winning cures all ills. Right. Well, then after the covid year, um, which I think a lot of folks just sort of tossed out is like, hey, that's just a um, you know, that's just a, a you know, a, an endeavor that we need to forget, so to speak. Right. Well, a lot of it sort of persisted and a lot of the you know, the stuff that that we're talking about, you know, in terms of nutrition, in terms of sort of the way that the staff looked at things, there's an old school approach to it that still, like I said, it, it roots itself in negativity, right? It, it roots itself in something where I think, you know, there were certainly guys last year who had gotten to a place where like, they just didn't, they weren't really that like happy, right? Um, happy to be doing what they wanted to do. And I think that's, you get this, you do get the sense that like, and this is sort of universal with new coaches, right? This new sense of life, Right fresh starts we talked about that with like Andrew Brown and Ben Smiley and like you know the chance for for Ben to sort of thrive under a new staff that um you know he he you know wipes the slate clean um and there's I think that happens not just in terms of the way that coaches see players and how they fit um but I think it also it, it impacts the way players see the program and sort of their own trajectory right the the things that bogged you down well now you're sort of released from them right 
the things that the mud you were stuck in, well, that's been cleared. And now you're, you're standing on good sound ground, right? Um, what you do with it, you know, whether or not you jump right back in the mud, uh, that's up to you. But I, I think that ultimately from a conditioning standpoint, Bronco and his folks were at, at, at time, I would say it was like, on the one hand, very mindful that they needed that. But at second hand, I, I just could not see a player sort of um, run over and eat a protein bar. Like it just, yeah, I don't know what part, they're eating exactly, but that's, there's food. There. But like, but like that, is. you know, that idea, I just, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't process it. Yeah. And, and one thing I would say, like a lot of times when you have a new staff come in, um, there's like a lot of like, Oh, like the atmosphere is better than it was before. And, and uh, we certainly heard that, but like, um, the one thing I will say kind of to, I don't want to say contradict that, but it kind of reframe it is <laughs> a thing I've heard, I would say from like almost every single player, regardless of position, I'm talking about quarterbacks to wide receivers, to defensive players, everything in between. I've talked to probably like, you know, a dozen players in the last four practices, maybe more. There's a lot of like, this staff tells me what I'm doing wrong. They're hard on me but I like it. Yes. And it's like, it's like, they're telling me what I'm not doing right. They're telling me what I need to work on when I come off the field, like I'm getting coached and stuff like that. And for me, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I wasn't there for those Bronco practices. I can't really compare as much. I mean, we, none of us really were that much in the last couple of years because of COVID, but um, it's hard to like hear a player that played for both staffs say that and not think that that's a change. I'm going to say it like this. And Dave, I promise I'm we're not I'm not going to hog the mic again. But listen. There is undoubtedly to me um there is a there's a truth to the idea that the previous staff got to a place be it by design, be it by chance, be it by circumstance that they got to a place where they expected dudes to figure it out. All right. I'm not saying that there was no instruction. Certainly, you know, multiple guys from that staff were retained for this staff. I think those those coaches are guys who clearly worked with their guys instructed. I'm not I'm not wiping, you know, I'm not going to paint with a with a broad brush here. But I am going to say that there were certainly position coaches who expected their dudes to just fix it. And I have heard enough stories about lack of instruction, lack of technique lack of you know we would watch these games and we would wonder like how is this continuing to happen and the reality is is that like nobody was really telling them to do something different and i'm not trying to start like a whole big thing here i'm just saying that like it does not surprise me to hear that players are excited about really being coached up what i find ironic about what you just said ferber is that you said you know coaches are are hard on me and i like it right Bronco talked so much when he got to Charlottesville, right? About how the team was broken. Guys wouldn't even look each other in the eyes. Like they wouldn't look you in the eye when they talked to you. Like that they had to build everybody back up. And I think if there is one redeeming quality above all else that Bronco's program seems to have instilled is that I think a lot of these dudes who are now being coached by new coaches, they probably would not have handled if the thing had gone the way it was you know, going, they would not have handled the way, um, you know, the, the, this changing coaching as well, right, if they had not had that other piece. 
instilled in them, right? Like Bronco did talk a lot about, you know, hard things together and this and that, right? That sort of falls down when your coach quits like he quit. It falls down when certain players are held to this standard and other guys aren't, right? It falls down when you're not holding your own assistant coaches to that standard when it comes to the way that they're going about their, their jobs. And so I think that um, the fresh start has been, is, is probably going to be good for basically everyone. Um, and certainly the, the emphasis on technique is huge. And, and I think that one of the things that has been truly intriguing to me from the, from the start has been the way that these defensive coaches have just not cared about the depth that they have. Like they have been from the start, very confident in their ability to get these dudes where they need to be. Now, Rubber's going to meet the road for real here in a few weeks, and we're going to find out if you know if they were right in that summation or not. But the fact that they were so clear about, and I mean from the from the jump, man, like they were not stressed about the talent at at DB, right? They were confident that they could get these guys. That like basically UVA had more than UVA had shown. Um, anyway, Dave, you've been uh, quiet for a while. My apologies. Let's <laughs> let's let you. Uh, weigh in on some of this yeah stuff dave why don't discussing. you why don't you say something once in a while <laughs> gosh dave be so hey, quiet make a good points man i don't need to weigh in all the time um now i was saying i mean i will want one more piece on the whole change thing with you know with the new staff um i mean look we were excited when mike london came in because it sounded different so and the players were too so you know change is good sometimes um doesn't mean the results will be good because i mean it. it's gonna work <laughs> yeah so yeah I just want to put that caveat in there. And then, you know, as far as, as far as what you're getting to with the defense. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I guess I'll start that conversation, but it kind of, I'm trying to remember, I'm terrible. My memory is just not good. I put, put away a lot of inventory today. Forgive me. Um, the, uh, they were talking about the deep, someone was talking about the DBs last night, but it was Rudd. It was coach Rudd. Yeah. And he started listing off all these guys, and like honestly, I forgot half of them were on the team. He because we so the way that, and the way that he framed it was like we have a lot of guys. It wasn't yeah. like we don't have like well here's some names. It was like no, we have a lot of guys that can get these jobs. Like, yeah, I mean, based just based on him, I'm, I'm and I think I texted you this, Justin. Um, it, it feels like Fenchel Cypress and and Anthony Johnson are by far the favorites to start at, at cornerback. Um, and then I think Bratton's some, in the mix. I think he'll play. Yeah. But yeah. he mentioned Bratton along with the safety. So or as like yeah. a nickel player. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's you know, you got Clary, Bratton, Long, um, you know, Donovan Simon, Johnson, I think Johnson, is in the mix. Donovan Johnson, you know, the Simpkins kid. There, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent there who we don't know. Maybe they're not good and we're gonna all be like, man, we really should have added a piece. Um, but we have to, like, you, you had to remember, we didn't see these guys, right? Like we had Nick Grant, Devonte cross out there playing Ironman football, um, for the better part of the last four years. Five. I think they really feel like if they get their front seven in order, like they won't have as many problems like on the yeah. back end. And, it, and, and in fairness to last year's defensive backfield, they weren't getting a whole lot of help up front. That's um, true. That's fair. So, you know, we've talked about it many times as we watch the defense struggle, pretty much since that Miami game in 2019. Um, you know, things work well when you get pressure on a quarterback. And if there's confidence in the defense, 
defensive coaches, it's probably looking at that front seven, front six, however they're going to do it, just because there's another position. You start thinking about the defensive line. I think someone brought it up on the board just kind of asking, you know, why are, why does anyone think the defensive line is going to be better? I mean, honestly, you start – if Cam Butler's as good as advertising, it seems like he will be. Um, I will say that if, if I will – like, I'm not going to give away my guy, and I don't think he's going to be my guy just because it's kind of obvious, but if Cam Butler isn't good, I'll be pretty damn surprised. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, at least not at least seen. not good. Like, at least not, like, confident. Like, you know, like, I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah. Yeah, and if you get contributions from, from the other guys, um, yeah, that defensive line could be really good. And you know what you have in Nick Jackson and – um, you know, uh, Coach Elliott talked talked well. Of, you know, of Ahern and kind of mentioned James yeah. Jackson as being. It the seems guy like Ahern's like a little ahead right now. Um, and then it's like Jackson. Jackson was but banged Jackson's up. Jackson's been dinged up, so yeah, yeah. But he's back now. It looks like, and then Hunter Stewart kind of is in the mix as well. But yeah, I would say like Ahern in the immediate, and then maybe Jackson down the road. Yeah, for that and, spot, that might yeah. be this year. You know, but. You know, and I think James Jackson's got a little bit of versatility. So, you know, if they, you know, against a little bit heavier, you know, heavier run teams, you might see him play alongside, you know, because this defense can be multiple. That's what the rumor is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, th- I think it's funny. Offensively, I'm still kind of figuring out where what they're going to be and how they, you know, how they're going to perform. But I, I mentioned at the opening, like I started going back and watching more more video of, and I've kind of skipped last year and I went back to look to some, I wanted to kind of focus on what UVA looked like, um, in 2018, you know, um, when they were basically replacing an entire offensive line, um, just to kind of see, you know, what that offense looked like. And, you know, there's some similarities, which you can expect that offense wasn't terrible. Um, <laughs> um, and then as I've watched through, um, they did have some rough moments. I mean, like they had some, like, they were up and down, I would say that year. Yeah, they definitely were. But um, but you also had to remember Bryce Perkins was his first year starting that yeah, year. Yeah, and like Zacchaeus had a good year and Ellis, I think, was good. And then it was kind of like up and down. But they had yeah. plenty of games where like they struggled to score. Yeah, they certainly did. And yeah. you know, um, yeah, I think a little no offense to Bryce Perkins, who UVA great by the time he left. Um, you know, he was that was his first year back to football after a pretty serious injury. Um, you know, high high level football. So their passing a game bit wasn't where Armstrong. it was the next year. Yeah, no, the next year they not. took a big step forward in the passing game. Yeah, and uh, you know, as I watched through, um, gotten into late twenty twenty one. I mean, sorry, um, gotten into last year's film. There's a lot more stuff. Like you remember the big plays and all the passing because you did a lot of it, but. There's so many concepts that are similar, which what you see in the Chad Morris based offense. Um, yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked Jay Wolfolk about... last night, like, what's the difference between this offense and, and last? And he was kind of like, it's not that different. He didn't say it like that, but he was kind of like, I don't really know. He's like calls and stuff. Like, you know, it's, there's a lot of yeah. similarities, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think just a lot more personnel shifts with the old stuff and, you know, a lot, you know, there was some play action, a lot of, a lot of gimmicky stuff, but the base, you know, only so many routes right <laughs> there's only so many players you can have yeah i mean the routes and concepts and stuff combos. are different and the calls like the blocking concepts are going to be pretty similar the difference i think is going to be more there's going to be more read option stuff and stuff like that but um, yeah, yeah yeah which is which is good and i think you know so yeah i mean all in all i'm, I'm, God, 
I'm pretty happy with what we see in the first eight to nine days of camp here, whatever the total is. I can't remember, but, um, yeah. <laughs> that was a, that yeah, was a thank, nice ending. Thank you for, thank you for that button <laughs> at the end there. Um, yeah. so, all right, let's talk expectations. Okay. I, I think that one of the things that, that is tough about this team. And as I was talking with somebody about this last night, like without sort of getting a sense of what the offensive line looks like, you, you're not really sure how the offensive success from last season will translate because you, you know, there is a different um, scheme and, and stuff. And I, and I think the fact that there are a lot of similarities, maybe they get to the places a little differently. Like you said, they're not as wholesale of um, personnel shifts. You know, maybe there's more tempo. We certainly heard a lot about that this um this camp whether it's offensive guys talking about you know doing it or defensive guys talking about maybe it, it actually making them a little bit better um but in general you know for me at least and i don't know if, if you guys are uh, agree with this or not but like for me it's hard for me to, to like think about what, what are my expectations for this team this season and what, what does success look like when i don't know sort of where they're starting from you know bronco used to talk about you never really know until you play your first game, like, you know, what your, your, your launch point is. And I, I think that's a, that's a really good way to sort of look at it. Um, for me, I, I, I tend to think that the offensive line is going to get figured out either the, either, either by the, by the, by the staff figuring it out and putting the right guys in the right places, or they're going to put the guys in the, who can be serviceable in the right places. And they're going to make the calls accordingly. Right. Um, and if that's the case, then I think success is probably more about wins and losses than anything else. Um, I could totally see a scenario where, you know, the offensive line is such a question mark throughout the season that it's hard to get a sense of really what you got. And it's, and that's problematic because you have such a great quarterback returning. You have such great skill position players returning. There's really no sense in this offense, not putting up some points. Um, Dave, what's success? What's, what are expectations like for you? on the offensive side um, and how does that sort of fuel the bigger picture? Yeah. I mean, I think it's easier for me to frame it as what success is. I mean, I, I'm not so worried about points. Like I, we need an offense that can score. Right. But I think if there was one downfall to last year's offense, is that they weren't, they, they weren't able to extend drives when they needed to sometimes um, they weren't able to have a five minute drive unless they huddled for 30 seconds, you know, that kind of thing. So what I'd like, so success for me would be an offense that's still explosive at times, um, but can move the ball quickly when they need to, but can also slow it down, grind, run the ball when the defense needs a break. Um, didn't want to use a word complimentary, but on the offenses, that, that, that's what I like to see, you know, a more balanced offense. So Brennan Armstrong is not throwing the ball 50 times a game and taking 35 shots, you know, you know, the offensive line last year was good to great at times, but Brennan still took a lot of hits. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he missed a game because of him. Um, played hurt a couple of games after because of it. So you can't – so six, kidding him out of that position, so he's, you know, a little more balance. Um, that's kind of what success is for me on the offensive side. Um, defensively, you know, don't be last year. You know, you know, it's, you know, be competent, you know, tackle – you know, football is not a game of, you know, I don't care if you give up yards, just don't give up points. Um, and good Lord, just, I mean, if we could just go, if we could have one game without a, how did he miss that? Like, you know, missed tackles happen. There's good players, but not to the level we saw last year. So 
that seems like a pretty low bar to me. Um, some, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable framing it that way, though, because I think the schedule sets up where Virginia can just do that. They should be competitive, if not have a chance to win every game on their schedule. Um, doesn't mean they will, but there's no one on the schedule this year, no game on the schedule where you're like Virginia doesn't have a shot in that game, right? Yeah, so if UVA if plays could, their B-plus game, like they shouldn't be out of any of them. Yeah, like, literally. Yeah. Yeah, most of them they should be favored to win if they play their B-plus game. Um, so it's, it's a good schedule. And I think that level of success, especially, you know, you've got some guys that probably won't be here next year. Um, but you got a lot of guys who are returned. So if you can establish that, I think it gives you a chance to kind of keep some momentum going after, you know, you potentially lose Brendan Armstrong and whoever might else, else might leave, um, you know, offensive line, you, sh- you, sh- you know, should be able to bring back most of those guys and, you know, kind of, kind of get the ball rolling a little bit for, for coach Elliott. For what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think as far as expectations go, um, I think it's fair to expect the offense to not be as maybe like explosive as they were last year in terms of points and, you know, things like that. Um, and that's fine. Like, I mean, they had, I think, the seventh ranked offense in in uh, SP plus or something like that. So, I mean, like if you can just be like top 25, that's, that's good, you know. Um, and, you know, really for me, offensive wise, like I, I keep Brennan Armstrong upright, show some sense of balance, but don't completely lose the things that you were good at last year, you know, make sure that KT's getting his touches. And, and that was something that, you know, we talked to Des Kitchings about in the off season, like, you know, making sure like, he's like, you know, if you, if you don't go to Dontavian every like 10 plays or so, like there's an issue, like, you know, you're not doing something right. You know, like th- that sort of stuff. Like I want to make sure that they're not scrapping what works in, 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 uh, Lou, like, you know, to, to focus on identity, you know, running the ball. But I think that it would be nice to see them implement those things as well. But yeah, I just want to see them kind of like look competent and keep uh, the quarterback upright. And then on defense, like Dave kind of hit it. I mean, tackle better, don't give up as many big plays, try to get after the quarterback better, show incremental improvements from last year. I think Rudd's kind of gets a pass for this season, to be honest with you. Like, if they're mediocre, that's a huge improvement. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, if he can just get them to that point, like they're going to have that, that means they can still have some bad moments, bad games, but like, you know, I'm not going to blame him for that. Um, even if they're not good, like, I don't really think I'm going to blame him for that just because of where they're starting from, but um, show some confidence too. like, show me that like this defense is flying around and doing the things that you want to see them do that was the stuff that was awesome about Broncos early defenses here like 2018 in particular, where they were really good. You know, that's when you saw guys flying around in the ball, making plays in the backfield, creating turnovers. And that really led to like the, the bench, you know, the fourth side stuff that happened. A lot of that was based on defensive production and stuff like that. So, I mean, I would love to see the defense just sort of like regain some sort of attitude, you know, because it felt like last year they were always on the back foot and just waiting for something bad to happen. And I'd like to see them kind of shed that identity. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it translates to wins and losses. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit I'm, – I'm confident that the defense is going to make improvements and then the offense is just kind of like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and – scrap what what you have personnel wise in favor of identity and i don't think that they will yeah one quick thing on the defense brett i forgot to mention like when we look back at last year's like it was just an absolutely 
you know, crap show. Um, and it was, but there were moments last year where you realize the defense has players. Like, you know, they had a couple shutouts. Um, the problem is they just couldn't defend any teams that had athletes. Like, well, you know, think back to that Miami game. They can't, you know, they, they started off well. Yeah. Yeah. They had a safety to start. They had a couple three and outs. You know, Virginia had a pretty big lead in that game. And then all of a sudden the defense couldn't do anything. Um, and I think that's one of the things that made it even more frustrating when they were, they had those terrible spots is it, you know, it wasn't there were zero athletes on the team, you know, but it wasn't, you know, 11 bad players. It was, you know, a scheme that didn't fit the personnel they had um, coupled with just bad fundamentals. And it was like a bad pitcher. It was like when things go wrong, it just kind of all falls apart. Well, that's um, kind of what I, I was going to say, honestly. You think about that like, Georgia Tech game, like things started off horrible and then they actually played really good defense for like two and a half quarters. And then yeah. at the end of the game, they gave up like three touchdowns in like <laughs> five minutes or something, you know? Yeah, I was going to, I was actually thinking just a second ago that, you know, we, we've talked Oh God, I feel like every season for years, right? Both football and basketball, right? Margin of error, right? Margin of error is so thin. Margin of error is so thin. And I feel like when we look back at last year's defense, that and and you know, you could probably make this argument for the whole team as a whole, but I think what's interesting to think about it in the context of this season is that if you think about the margin of error, right? You're Dave's right. Like they had some 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 times, they had moments where you're like, oh, man, if you could just do that, like we could just do that for a little bit longer, you know, a little bit more consistently, right? Um, it wouldn't take much, right? And I, I'm not saying that I think, you know, UVA can like win the ACC by being just a little bit better than last year. But I, I don't think it's going to take, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like the momentum you need to go from zero to 60, right? Is very different than the momentum you need or the or the push, right? To go from like 45, Right. I'm not saying that necessarily UVA is in a spot right now where where we can sort of ease into the gas and all of a sudden be good. But what I do think is that it's not going to take too much in a, in, a, in the right spots. Right. Like the defensive front, for example, if the defensive front is better, like that is a huge step forward. Right. Exponentially. So. Right. The impact that it has beyond just the front you know the 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 front itself right what it could do for the defensive backfield and so you know like if you extrapolate that out and it, it it's not it you don't have to make huge leaps right it's it, it even though they gave up so many big plays it was like they're making the same mistake over and over again which ultimately to ferber's point right whenever they play teams with athletes they struggled why because they weren't very good right um as a as a group the defensive backfield struggled um, you know, guys struggled to get their heads around, you know, they struggled to, to keep separate, you know, to keep from separating. I mean, like it was, it was frustrating to watch them and they, it doesn't take a whole lot to get them to a place where they're competent and competent could actually mean a significant step in the right direction. So I, when I think about expectations for the season, a lot for me is colored by, um, you know, I don't think the offense takes as many shots. I don't think that they necessarily need to be as explosive as Ferber said earlier. I feel like, you know, there's going to be so much emphasis on the run game and, and trying to get that into a substantial place. But I genuinely think that what Tony and his folks are going to do is, you know, a lot more sort of fitting the thing to the talent you have. I think you're probably going to see more downfield stuff this year than you probably would have otherwise because Brennan is who he is. Um, the offensive tweaks are are – are for me a question mark um, simply because 
I know how comfortable Brennan was in the older system. Um, I'm curious to see what he looks like once this thing gets rolling. Um, but I mean, look, if you want to talk wins and losses, that's that's a preseason prediction podcast. But I mean, I, look at the schedule. I, I think success for this team, what expectations should be, are, are going to be impacted by how easy that schedule looks. And they probably should be, to be quite honest. Um, let's wrap up this way. I want to talk a little bit about sort of players and linchpins and guys that um, we think UVA needs big seasons from. And I'm not saying like, don't, you know, this is like, you know, we'll know it when we see it. Don't don't pick out like Brennan Armstrong, right? Um, but I'm just curious if we can, you know, maybe I'll go around and pick a guy or two. Um, somebody who you feel like is a real linchpin to UVA's success um, and kind of give me some background. Dave, we'll start with you. Who's a who's a guy, in your opinion, that he has to have a good year in order for UVA to, to have a good year? I mean, I'll start offensively. I think it's Flores. Um, I would have said Leach prior to kind of, you know, if we'd have done this a couple of weeks ago, but – but now kind of knowing that, you know, he can play, you know, Flores can play multiple positions. Um, I think if he's able to, you know, if he's good and can come in and be a proven starter at whatever position they end up needing to put him, it helps the offensive line tremendously. Cause then you don't need to say, you can't say, well, floor, you know, you're not saying Flores is a right tackle. We got to figure out the other four spots. You can kind of figure out which combo, you know, we, we I know two J said it on the pod. He said it everywhere. Like, you know, the five coins, right? Um, but if you got one coin, they can play four spots. I think, given we have so many question marks on the offensive line, if he can come in and be what we, you know, what we see from the good grad transfers, the guys that come in and make an impact, I think that immediately with the combination of Leach makes the offensive line question marks a little bit smaller. Still there, but less smaller. Ferber, what about you? Yeah, I'll go one guy offense, one guy defense. Um, defense, I'm going to go Cam Butler. I think he's the kind of guy that can make a difference. Um, like, he can really increase their sack totals by just being himself and doing what he has to do and, and maybe taking on more blocks because people give more attention to him and freeing up other guys. I think he just looks the part. He, You know, like, if you see him out there in practice, you can kind of see, like, why he was so productive and sought after in the portal. And it's kind of laughing. He was like, I didn't really expect to get much interest out of the portal. I was like, really? Like given all your productivity, but yeah, I think he's the guy that can kind of like elevate the defense from where they were and make a bunch of negative plays on offense. Um, I'm going to go with Lavelle Davis. Um, I don't think they really need him to be great to be good at, in the passing game, but I think You're like him to take a star, man. <laughs> well, I think well, him I, being, I, I think this is a good pick. I, I think ahead. him go being ahead. himself or like what we saw from him as a freshman, even like kind of close to that, unlocks some stuff that wasn't there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna like <laughs> if, if if he can be anything close to what he was as a freshman, like what does that do for Wicks? Like you can't double him. Like if you have them on the other side of the field, like what, how would you defend them? And if you do that, then you have the like Kemp Thompson combination in the middle of the field. That's just going to eat you alive. Like the hardest I, thing in that Davis situation is, is going to be for Des to, Des to call a running play. That's yeah. going to be the hard part. Yeah. And he knows, I mean, like he, we asked him about that in the, the media luncheon and it was like, what do you do with all these guys? And he was like, give them the ball. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, I think you're right. And, I just feel like if Davis can be a factor, you know, um, 
that that can change things for a lot of guys and then just really open things up. Dave, do you want to go ahead and give us your other side of the ball before I go? Because it feels oh, wrong defense. if we just did both of his dudes when he would when he <laughs> yeah. wasn't supposed to. No, it's fine. Oh, I'll go Lex Long. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys you could pick over there, but um, I'm pretty confident in, in Anthony Johnson. I'm I know I know what to expect from Clary. I think Lex Long. He's a guy like he flashes when he's on the field. Um, I think if you put him in a scheme, he understands a little better, or you know, kind of fit him better. You know, if you can get that, would give you three defensive backs that I'm pretty confident in. Again, kind of like the Flores argument, I think that really elevates the defense, and I'm pretty comfortable with the front side of that defense. So, give me you know, if he can have a great year, that answers a lot of questions. Yeah, I feel like for me, um, you know, I go back and forth on this. Like, I feel like offensively, you know, I I could I could have made an argument for. Uh, Davis especially because he, he there's so much emphasis on 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 Dontavian there's so much emphasis on Keaton um, even Billy Kemp to some extent right um, I'm not saying that like people forgot about Dre right <laughs> but uh, it certainly feels like to me that Davis has a huge opportunity to sort of you know announce his presence with authority right and he gives him such a different weapon but I, I kind of go back to tight end, and I, I don't know if Ferber's, um, his work on the film room side has, has has just completely messed with my brain, but I feel like in order for the I offense... I almost said this because of the importance of the H-back role. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like looking at the offense, and I'm thinking like, all right, who's going to be the dude, right? Who's going to be the guy? Now, we, we understand that like conceptually that they can... They can use different guys in that role that are not necessarily historically like what you think of when you think of like the H back in their system, right? You can sort of achieve that goal with some different pieces, right? But is it Sackett Wood? Like, am I gonna, am I really gonna say that Sackett Wood is like the difference, you know? But he certainly feels like a guy that if he ca- if he has a good season, that means the offense that means the offense has been productive. It's been it's probably been balanced. You know what I mean? Like. That I think to me, he's a guy that could really make a big impact. If yeah, after the tech game, if you're like Sackett Wood really had a good year, I think that probably that, that probably well. right exactly <laughs> that probably fares well right. On the defensive side for me, it's probably Josh Ahern, and the reason I say that is because yeah. they need a steady piece there in the middle. Right, you know what you're going to get from Nick Jackson. I think the defensive front is going to be vastly improved. I like the Butler kid a lot. I think Jameer Carter looks like an absolute beast. Um, he seems ready for a juggernaut. Time. Perhaps. Uh, he he seems ready for for prime time. But I feel like the heart of the defense needs to have um, some some uh, some some consistency, a steadying force. You know, it can't just be Nick Jackson all the time, right? Uh, and we know they're going to want to try to fly around. I feel like you know Ahern has to be you know a guy in the middle. I, I know that that's a spot that is still shaking out. Um, so it makes sense to me that. Um, you know, we, we might, whether it's, you know, James Jackson or, you know, Hunter Stewart or whoever, right? But Ahern seems to be the guy who has the, the lead on that right now. I'm still curious how they're, how they're going to utilize Deshaun Perry because um, he, he's yeah. a name I haven't seen or heard a lot. Um, they said yeah, that they were moving him to like a weak side, <laughs> like a weak side linebacker spot. And they said that that was kind of like a more natural place for him. So I think that's a like overhang sort of position where you're like the fourth defensive lineman, so to speak. Um, mm hmm. 
but we'll see how they are actually... kind of interchangeable then. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be like a it's basically like a pass rush specialist, if you want to look at it that way. And then you got guys like Jonathan Horton who I think have a ton of upside. Um you know, it's kind of lab, you know, and the defensive line, not to just name names, but you know, you've got, yeah, you want to just go through the roster, the Mui, Carter, Smiley. Um, then you got Davis and Camper, you got Sue, who looks huge. Uh, Michael Diada, like, there's a lot of depth there. That the Davis kid haven't had, from yeah, South I mean, Carolina, yeah, so that's, I mentioned yeah. him, Devontae. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of depth there that the the defense hasn't had which should give them some ability to rotate a little bit um keep the guys fresher so i think that's one of the things you did see last year in addition to you know in in addition to poor technique it's just guys getting tired because they were on they the played field. the same guys like yeah and that was one of my frustrations this is like we never really got to see what the depth guys could do like um yeah and who's maybe the kid they, they lost Nusi. yeah yeah Nusi milani yeah yeah he's okay. at washington state yeah he's at washington state okay yeah. Um, you know who really, like, I, this is completely a sidebar, but, like, um, the guy that I don't think he's going to necessarily be, like, a huge factor this year, but he looks like a, like a beast is Stevie Bracey. Yes, um, yes. That dude is huge. Like, I for don't think he's going to play linebacker, middle linebacker. Yeah, he looks like a defensive end. But, <laughs> I mean, he can move. So, like, I, yeah, we'll see. But, like, he, he looks like a potential player. But I kind of like Brad's pick, actually, just because, like, um, no offense to Josh Ahern or any of those other guys, but that kind of feels like maybe the weak link. Um, so it's like if you can get that position to give you what you need from it, and it's not like, um, especially like in the tackling game in this defense, like that position, you, you can't have a guy out there that can't tackle. Like, so I think they really need to have production from that position. I, uh, I, I, I just feel like. In the bigger picture, right, like that defense, because look, we didn't talk about Aaron Felmui, right? Like, because he's a guy. When I was thinking through this, you know, to me, if he has a if he has a uh, a pretty decent, you know, solid season, that to me means that guys were making plays around him too. Does that make sense? Like, you can really kind of see the way the things should line up. The question, of course, is going to be, you know, execution and um, all that fun stuff. but anyway, I think that's a, a good place to put a pin in it for this week, uh, unless you guys have any um, any thoughts otherwise. Um, now we get into the fun pods. Now we get the props so ne- coming. So let's see. Next week is next week is the look around the ACC, and then the following week is the prediction podcast, and then we'll be in game week. Right? Am I right about all this? So these are the next three. It's happening. It's uh, yeah. preseason awesomeness disease is is on deck. So if you're somebody out there who has found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on all the various podcasting apps. Give us a follow there. Um, make sure that the, the show comes and finds you and you don't have to go find it. You also can check us out at CavsCorner.com if you have not. Uh, lots of good stuff rolling in now that uh, practice has started. Ferber's like cranking out stuff left and right. We got videos with Don Tavian Wicks and Billy Kemp and a um, whole bunch of dudes. Uh, he sent me one yesterday that is is sideways, sideways yeah. i'm not really sure how i'm gonna work that um but we've got recruiting stuff still up there too uh and and we've got more to come this weekend obviously since we'll both be there we're gonna try to tag team it and he's got some stuff uh, in the um in the recorder as well so give us a look at the website i want to thank uh, my perfect franchise for their support of the show and of the of the website as a, 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 the aforementioned website you can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you 
And I also want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. Um, 471 episodes. I still don't know how that's possible. And of course, to Dave and Ferber, again, graciously, their time as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. See you soon. That's